Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hey, thanks again for joining. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. How do you tie your investment of money and effort in content marketing to actual revenue? April is shaping up to be analytics month here on Life Science Marketing Radio. Last episode, we talked about Google Analytics and some of the things you can be doing to get a better picture of what's going on in your website. In this episode, I talked to Chuck Miller of The Market Element about that content marketing measurement. He describes a process that looks both forward and backwards to understand what works and what hasn't, and then how to plan a campaign to meet specific lead and revenue goals. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Let's dive right in. Chuck Miller is the president of The Market Element, an agency helping companies with digital inbound marketing strategies and techniques. And I'm going to give him a shout out as a fellow University of Colorado alum as well. Chuck, thanks for joining me today. All right. Thank you very much, Chris. And uh, go Buffs. Yeah. All right. So today let's talk about analytics for marketing and specifically content marketing. What kind of challenges do you see and why should companies maybe think more about their analytics? It's it's an excellent question, uh, Chris. I mean, as you know, we, we specialize in the, the science and technology space, specifically in the B2B uh, marketing space where content marketing plays a huge role. And for a lot of our clients that put a lot of their resources and efforts in creating content, um, they're always looking for ways of tying that investment in terms of developing that content to attributing it to actual revenue. So when we approach clients, that is one of their key concerns is that how they can attribute the money they spend, you know, specifically in content marketing uh, to revenue. And so that is one of those key concerns that are brought to our attention by many of our clients. Yeah. So definitely tying the revenue in um, is, is, is the best reason <laughs> to, to think about um, what you're doing with your marketing and, and how it's working. So a lot of times I imagine somebody, uh, this has been my experience. Sometimes it's how many leads did we get from that campaign? And that's the end of it. It's just like, how many were there? And the result is either better or worse than you expect if, if there was any expectation at all, right? And um, so let's talk about the value of a measuring mindset, both in the long term and then how you can also affect campaigns while they're still active? So, uh, yeah, it's another great question. And I think one of the, the neater aspects with respect to digital marketing is it allows us to kind of better qualify and understand what the value of leads are coming into the website. Um, it's not simply just a question of how many leads you get off a campaign, but uh, what is the quality of those leads and when working with our clients, we're able to kind of develop um, a methodology by which we can kind of uh, assess a value to those leads and kind of understand um, the efforts that we put forward is driving these quality of leads. And then we can, from there, can develop a plan forward to nurture those leads into sales. Um, so 
that whole framework of understanding and qualifying and quantifying leads is kind of one of the things that we bring to the fold with respect to uh, our capabilities. Right. So, and, and I like what you said there about uh, evaluating the quality of leads you get from, for example, different channels or whatever. What I'm also curious about is um, let's say you have a campaign running and how do you monitor that campaign to say, you know what, this isn't going the way we expected. Maybe we need to put some resources somewhere else or change a piece of content out. How do you make those decisions? Uh, so that really comes into the, the pre-planning exercise when we develop the campaign is that um, we kind of outline a forecast in terms of what our expectations are for lead generation. And once that campaign is launched, um, after a period of time, we have these checkpoints where we can then look at to see how the, the campaign is developing, how is it working. If it's not meeting expectations, we try to uh, make adjustments on the fly and try to kind of rectify it or change it so that we can uh, then try to meet those overall goal objectives that we set in the beginning of the campaign. Right. So it wouldn't be out of the question to change up a piece of content or um, look to distribute it somewhere else, for example? Typically, it comes into the, the distribution of things. Um, when we're doing campaigns, the, the, cam the actual content itself was um, probably a, a, a very high level of effort that took a lot of work to, to create. So the likelihood of us kind of switching out the content uh, doesn't happen very often, but it, it, we do see the need to kind of change our, our promotion strategy and the channels that we're going after for sure. Ah, okay. Um, no, that's that's really interesting. Um, and then let's go back to that pre-planning phase. How do you set those goals for what you want to achieve? Obviously, there, a client comes to you and there's a budget. And then based on that and maybe your experience with certain channels, you can think that, oh, if we do this and that, we're going to get X, Y, Z result. But talk about that a little bit. I'd have to say um, there's two parts to this answer. If we're new to a, a client engagement, um, we do spend a lot of time in terms of understanding um, his, historical performance and what they've done with previous campaigns and just understanding that, that dynamic in which um, they've marketed in the past. And then from there, we kind of back into um, what are you know best practices in terms of um, conversion rate and the return on investment on digital advertising. So it is kind of a, um, you know, a forecasting effort uh, for lack of a better you know, word. But once we kind of come up with a baseline goal, uh, we measure up against that goal and then we use kind of that as a baseline for future campaigns. So um, I'd like to say that after working with the client for a period of time, we get better and better at the forecasting side of things. But again, every new engagement brings new challenges, but we try to do our best to kind of forecast those out based on historical and also best practices from our other uh, clients. So it's still not apples to apples from one client to the next, but over time for a particular type of product in a particular channel, you might be able to say, well, this is a typical response rate that we'd get for kind of promotion 
Yeah, I would say that's absolutely right. I mean, we have a variety of different um, science clients. You know, we have some in the life science space. We also have um, clients in or you know, in the um, instrumentation space, and all, they definitely are different targets. And uh, we do see some unique micro trends within those spaces that we try to apply. So, yeah, given our experience with other clients, we use them as proxy examples for uh, setting up, um, you know, uh, variables in our kind of forecast efforts. Uh, so we definitely try to understand the market, niche markets, and how are those customers typically relate to marketing. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, you know, different ways you you slice the data and what metrics are important to you. So I'm thinking off the top of my head, things like, um open rates and click-through rates and um, and just uptake of other other offers so um, just talk a little bit about you know what you, what you look at uh, and and how that goes yeah I mean I think you hit on some key ones there too but uh, for for example tra- traffic is always very good um, so one of our metrics that we look at uh, is you know, what is the type of traffic we're driving to the landing page, for example? And what are the sources of that traffic? Is it referral traffic? Is it organic traffic? All of those kind of tell a unique story with respect to um, things that we think are important. And of course, another key element to the metrics that we find very important is conversion rate. So the traffic to lead conversion rate is one of our top metrics that we look at uh, for a campaign. And so if we're operating on a good uh, percentage there, that tells us quite a bit. Um, Once that lead comes into the system, uh, we have probably developed, uh, most likely developed a lead scoring algorithm. So we can measure more or less the the quality of that lead coming in through the forms that they fill out, uh, which gives us a baseline of the initial quality of that lead. And of course, uh, our goal after that part is to nurture that lead into an opportunity and eventually into a sale. So when you think about campaigns and measurement, uh, of course, some of the, the easier ones to measure are traffic and then lead or traffic to lead conversion rate. And then from there, um, we can measure what is the overall quality from a um, a lead scoring perspective that are coming in. So that's another area that we consider a top uh, measurement for us. And then how many of those eventually over time will turn into sales. So it's a multi-layered type of uh, measurement approach, but we feel like those kind of hit on some of the key metrics that we communicate back to our management. Right. And so that, and now you're finding the things that, so you reminded me, of course, that uh, a landing page is sort of central to any campaign. It's particularly digitally, right? It, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's um, it's it's going to be the offer. It's going to be the home base that we're going to be driving traffic to, so that we can uh, uh, pe- get people to opt in, right? Get that traffic to opt in, so they um, acquire the offer or whatever we're you know we're promoting at that point. So, landing pages uh, for us have have been a a critical uh, and important element in a lot of our campaign activities. Yeah. So then uh, someone comes to the landing page. That's where I was really thinking, you know, it's not entirely impractical to 
change the content. For example, like people come, you're getting good traffic, but maybe people aren't converting and it might not be the offer. It might just be the copy on that page. For example, you're probably good enough that that isn't a huge problem. I'm sure, <laughs> but that's, that's one place where you could make an adjustment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with, um, with respect to that landing page, we ver- make it very, very specific on what we're offering. And we do uh, try to compel the people to take that next step. And if, if that landing page is not converting well, you know, we kind of look at what are those things that could be causing the problem. And you mentioned copy being, you know, a potential possibility, in which case that is kind of one of the first things that we look at. Um, and then we kind of tweak that and then we kind of set it off again to see if it improves the conversion rate. So, I mean, you bring up a good point. There's only so many levers you can pull on there, but we, we kind of understand that, that obviously the copy on the page is a big one and the content offer is also um, a huge you know, part of it as well. Right. And then you brought up uh, another thing that we've talked about once before on this um, podcast, which is lead scoring. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, someone... And that's based on uh, previous interactions and then subsequent interactions to that conversion that kind of give you an idea of the quality of that lead. And um, I'm curious, this just popped into my head, like based on certain lead scores, do would you send people down a different nurturing path if in different ranges of their <laughs> lead quality or... Um, is the path relatively the same for anybody who's a sort of a fairly good quality lead? Sure. You know, we do put a, a lot of effort into understanding those unique uh, buyer journey paths from like when they first engage with the, our clients um, from that entry point all the way to a sale. And, you know, given their specific attributes and engagement, we put them down different buyer journey tracks that really are customized to really nurture them down that path. Now, every buyer has kind of a different attributes, but we try to bucketize them in certain personas. Um, and then through that journey, you know, through email marketing and nurturing, we deliver content at them at different stages of that journey. So that kind of moves them along the journey from what we call an MQL, which is a marketing qualified lead, where marketing has deemed it a very high quality lead and hey, sales team, you should take a look. And then after that sales team has taken a look, um, they might then decide to continue to nurture them uh, because they're not quite ready for a sale. So we then um, put them on another track to then nurture them more throughout a course of time with relevant and contextual content. And so, as you can imagine, these can get pretty complicated in terms of the different variations um, and nurturing tracks that can occur. Um, But really, we have found that when we architect these um, buyer journey and nurturing workflows, that they really are, they really do speed up the sales cycle and assist the sales team to to make the most of the leads that they're sitting on and make sure that... uh, that nurturing that happens behind the scene really benefits uh, the company. And so um, that that's kind of at a high level what uh, hopefully that answered your question regarding the, our methodology approach to, to nurturing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that was great. Um, Cause I, I, 
I completely understand the complexity of having multiple forks in these nurturing paths and how that just that amplifies really quickly the amount of content or, or work on your part. But on the other hand, you know, the trade-off is in it, the, on the positive side, um, you know, more personalized experience for each potential customer and in the end, better result. So um, I, I'm always fascinated to hear about those campaigns and, and mm -hmm. to know your approach. Um, attribution, which is, of course, everybody's biggest challenge, I think, mm -hmm. um, to say, all right, this activity led to a sale. Do you ever um, flip that around and it retrospectively look back when possible and someone at someone who's becomes a customer or even a group of customers and try to figure out what was the path that brought them here or what activities are most common among those who buy from us. So you can um, refine your campaigns again for the future to say, you know what, we get a lot of people that look like this. How can we reach more of them? Hmm. Yeah, no, this is a, um, one of the, most common topics and um, issues that have a lot of our clients come to us and um, you know they may have been doing marketing for for quite a bit but they they really don't have a very strong answer um, most often about how they can tie um, attribution to a specific marketing activity and you've and as you can imagine in a b2b space where um, clients can go on the web and search for solutions and come across a website and educate themselves um, you know that that whole process is is very varied and has multiple different touch points so we we try to help clients um, both like forward looking in terms of developing a better system to uh, capture attribution at the beginning. So as a lead comes in or traffic comes to your website, attributing it to a certain offer or piece of content, et cetera. So we try to work on the front end to make sure that ongoing, everything that comes in, they have a tighter control over that. But also we look behind and say, we're sitting on this database of thousands of leads and we have very little idea of how they actually came to us. And, you know, so we actually kick off campaigns looking back in terms of contacting customers and asking them if they can remember, you know, how they first found out about us. So there are a lot of, there's a lot of value in both looking forward, of course, you know, to create that uh, ongoing scalable system, but also looking back. So you gather some of those data points to then help you uh, craft up new campaigns in the future that obviously have worked in the past. But that's kind of the challenge when you come into a client that's been doing things for a while and maybe hasn't been doing things, you know, right. So we try to help them both forward looking and back looking. Yeah. So now I'm, uh, I'm just thinking when you say educating clients who haven't done things right, let's, Talk. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, that, and I know that wasn't something that we necessarily no. planned to talk about, but let's talk about this process of educating customers on a new way of doing things. And, and so to open up, you know, if people are listening to this and they're going to be a client of an agency or, or they're another agency, how do you come together on this? Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of my big aha moments uh, when I started the agency is um, 
we we've dealt with you know both the very large clients as well as the the startup company and one of the, one of the common denominators that I've seen um, is that there is an issue with a process um, either they don't have a process or their process is broken and a lot of the education that we bring into the fold is certainly not rocket science but it is so critical for the success of marketing and when we typically engage with clients um, we do you know your typical audit and assessment and look at all multiple different aspects of their their marketing effort and we most often come across breakdowns in process or failure to have a process at all. And so that education really comes down to, um, here's what you're doing, guys. And by the way, here's um, how, if you fix this process here, we can probably, you know, start having some success here and start driving results for your business because you're either lacking the process, your process is broken. So I really do think the education comes in, at least the most profound ones, um, come in the process area. Nice. Yeah, that's that's just a fascinating part of having an agency. And it's not always what you think. It, it's not always about marketing. It's about something else that you have to educate people on. So um, let, let's wrap up with this. I mean, uh, and maybe you've talked about it a little bit, but how, how do you use... Um, analytics to think about future campaigns? How does the data you've collected help you with the subsequent campaign for a client? Those are the way we look at analytics is that it, it, it provides necessary signals, right? Of where opportunities lie and also what not to do. So, um, in looking at a lot of data, um, you really have to kind of pick that signal out of the noise and then kind of run with those concepts and develop, um, you know, proposed campaigns around what has, you know, been done well in the past and obviously what to avoid in the future. We also, you know, with respect to analytics, right, we're given a lot of data internally and kind of come, come up with those hypotheses and like ideas for future campaigns. But we just don't keep it there. We also pull in analytics from competitors as well. I think we live in, a, as you know, Chris, we live in a digital era where we have access to tools and methods where we can look at competition and to see what performs well with them as well. And so that all plays into the equation too. So you both look internally and externally with analytics. And then from that, you kind of come up with um, your proposed strategy and plan. And in, if you implement it correctly, um, you know, then you can actually launch these campaigns. And if you need tweaking, you can tweak on the fly. And I think that kind of whole methodology and approach, which I'm preaching right now is kind of the basis for that inbound marketing um, that we kind of preach at the market element, because we feel like that kind of way of marketing uh, in today's space is just uh, allows you for the best chance of success, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. So that was not the last question because you talked about um, looking at your competitors and seeing what they're doing and getting information from that. So I can't let that go. <laughs> And okay, I want to, sure. so talk about, um, what kind of tools, I think I know what you're talking about, but let's be 
clear because I think that will perk up a lot of people's ears. You mean there are tools I can look to see how well my competitors' campaigns are doing or at least what they're trying to do? Sure. You'll know what kind of keywords they're using um, that they're they're competing for, both organic and PPC. You'll know what pages are performing best for them, what backlinks um, they have acquired over time, um, what their overall domain authority is. And so, you know, when you start piecing together uh, these little signals with respect to how they're driving traffic, um, it may not be point completely to um, a specific campaign, but I think it'll give you a good idea of what their strategy is and what they're focused in on and what's driving success for them. Um, There are other tools too. So for SEO, you know, Ahrefs is a a tool that we use. Um, um, And also on the the social media side, if we want to go there, there's ways of putting in the competitors, you know, social media pages and and identify, you know, look back 12 months to see what campaigns drew the most uh, engagement. And again, this is a a powerful tool to really kind of triangulate on their top performing content. So um, that's kind of part of that crystal ball, right, is we have uh, several different tools that we lean on to kind of pull this data out and really paint a picture for our clients, both internally and externally. And I think it's proven to be kind of the, of the right framework uh, to make some decisions off of. Nice. That, I, I really like that. And I think a lot of people are going to appreciate that. So this has been really helpful, Chuck Miller. And where, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about the market element, what should they do? <laughs> well, Chris, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. I always love talking about digital marketing. And if if any of the people listening to this podcast, if you're interested in learning more about the market element and the clients that we serve and the work that we're doing, uh, visit our website at themarketelement.com. And we have a contact us form on there. Feel free to fill that out. Or you can just send me an email at chuck.miller at themarketelement.com. That would be great. Excellent. So I will put those links in the show notes and make it easy for people to get in touch with you. Once again, Chuck Miller, thanks so much for sharing this great information on analytics today. Thanks again, Chris. I appreciate it. My pleasure. There you go. The big takeaway for me in this episode was the importance of having a process for understanding what works and what doesn't, and then planning your campaign around what you know about different channels and different types of content so that you're, you're heading for a target that you have a good chance of hitting and then also looking at those metrics so you can understand what to fix if things aren't quite going the way you want to. But over time, you get better and better at that. And that's really something that I think if you're not, if you don't have that process, you're never going to get better and you're just going to be spinning your wheels, doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that, that something works. Hey, if you're looking for some new ways to create better brand engagement, I don't think there's any better way than creating a podcast. I've talked to a lot of companies recently and they say, oh yeah, we've been thinking about doing that. We just don't know how to get started. Well, that's what I'm here for. I can definitely help you think about what it's going to take to produce a podcast on a sustainable basis, what kind of story you can tell, and take the production worries off of your plate. So if this is something you've been thinking about, shoot me an email, chris at lifesciencemarketingradio.com. If 
Finally, thank you to everyone who's been sharing the podcast. I really appreciate it. I get new people every week who are saying, hey, I just discovered this. I'm subscribing to your emails. If you haven't shared yet, tell a couple friends. I know they'll appreciate it too. And I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.